0: Trainingport.net presents Business Aviation Training Report. Hello and welcome to the Business Aviation Training Report, a monthly survey of events in the business aviation world. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. This podcast is produced by the leader in online training for business aviation, Trainingport.net. We link the business aviation news of the day with the training needs of business operators, management, their support staff, maintainers, and pilots. We want to discuss topics that are important to business aviation professionals, so please send us your questions, comments, and suggestions at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. Hey pilots, how do you know what RMP value is required in each airspace? For maintainers and operational control personnel, what is the PBN concept? If your company operates an aircraft capable of RNAV SIDS, RNAV STARS, or approach minima such as LNAV-VNAV, or LPV, then these are questions that should be on your mind when completing your PBN training. Today's topic is Performance-Based Navigation, or PBN. Today I will talk about PBN, but more in a practical way, not so much theoretical. My goals are to discuss who needs PBN training. I will cover some PBN content in a practical way, as I said, and I will discuss why this training is important. Thank you for listening. So first up, who is required to take PBN training? It's not crystal clear in some cases. I'll cover a few regulators. Transport Canada says that operational control personnel must be trained on the PBN concept, flight planning as it pertains to RNP1, so RNAV SIDS and RNAV STARS, WAS, no TAMs, if you operate this equipment, and RAIM prediction. So the question is who are operational control personnel? Is a flight follower considered a person with operational control? Perhaps. With regards to maintenance persons, Transport Canada says that Canadian operators that use RMP 1 avionics and RMP approaches, which is pretty much everyone using LNAV or LNAV VNAV or LP or LPV minima, Must train maintenance personnel in the PBN concept. The word concept is often attached to PBN in ICAO literature and elsewhere, as we find here with Transport Canada. I find the phrase PBN concept a bit misleading since PBN is not so much a concept, a notion, or an idea anymore. PBN exists globally and will be the way aircraft navigate and communicate going forward. Regulators have mandated that maintainers, dispatch personnel, and pilots be provided training on the PBN concept. The FAA states that flight crew, dispatchers, or maintenance personnel should have PBN training in operational practices and procedures. This training requirement is for all parts including Part 91K, 121, 125, 129, and 135, although I've read that Part 91 need only be familiar with this content. Okay, let's talk about some practical PBN. In the past, aircraft used ground-based nav to navigate. Of course, these still exist. However, the navigation specification has been introduced by ICAO to streamline the global shift to PBN and the use of satellite-based navigation. PBN has two navigation specifications, RNAV and RMP. So what is a navigation specification? ICAO says a navigation specification is a set of aircraft and aircrew requirements needed to support performance-based navigation operations within a defined airspace. What does this really mean? If you are flying in RMP2 airspace, then the aircraft must be able to maintain an ANP, or Actual Navigation, performance of two nautical miles. ANP could be referred to by a different name in your aircraft, such as EPU, Actual, or EPE. The Actual performance must be lower than the required performance at all times otherwise you need to navigate in a different way or ATC may provide more separation around you. The navigation specification also defines who needs training and requires that the operator must be approved to operate in that airspace. So I said that ICAO says a navigation specification is a set of aircraft and air crew requirements that pertain to a certain airspace. The two types of navigation specifications are RNAV and RNP. Something to keep in mind is that within RNAV and RNP themselves, there are different requirements again for some airspace. In other words, the training requirements for RNP1 are different from RNP10, even though they are both RNP. Your training provider should help you determine what training is required for each airspace in which you operate. Both RNAV and RNP system performance requirements are defined in terms of accuracy, integrity, availability, continuity and functionality. I won't get into those details here. The nuts and bolts of it are that RNAV and RNP will specify the performance requirements by adding a value such as RNAV1 or RNP2. The value 1 or 2 is the accuracy value in nautical miles required to be maintained 95% of the flight time by the navigation system. So what's the difference between RNAV1 and RNP1? The values of 1 in each case are the same, in that the 1 nautical mile accuracy value is required to be maintained 95% of the flight time. The difference between RNAV and RNP is that an RNP system will notify the crew when the navigation system can no longer maintain the required accuracy, something ICAO calls onboard performance monitoring and alerting an RNAV system will not provide an alert. That's really the PBN concept. Two navigation specifications, RNAV and RMP, of which one of them provides alerting. For maintainers, you must understand this concept but also verify that the NAV system can maintain the required navigation accuracy before the flight. Also, if there is an item that is MEL'd, this unserviceable item must not affect the navigation system. Finally, The navigation database should be obtained from a supplier that complies with ICAO's PBN DOC 9613 and therefore have an established quality assurance process. Any discrepancies found in the database by maintenance personnel or by the flight crew that invalidate a route must be reported to the navigation database supplier and the operator must notify the flight crews that the affected route should not be used. Discrepancies are rare but can occur. My experience with a discrepancy was in Waters Plus Airspace, where the waypoint was a mandatory reporting waypoint in ATC's database, but the chart depicted a non-mandatory point. Okay, aviation professionals, let's change gears for a moment. In the news is a part of the podcast where I talk about other happenings in business aviation. ADS-B out will become mandatory in India January 1st, 2019 on some PBN routes. A list of those routes can be found on the Indian Aeronautical Information Management page. This page is easy to Google and is very comprehensive. All I did was search ADS on their search bar and document 148 came up right away. Aircraft not equipped with ADS-B will be permitted to fly these routes, but they will have to be below flight level 290, which may not be optimal for your aircraft. The question is, how would you know that ADS-B is required on certain routes anywhere, let alone in India? Perhaps your flight planning provider is on the ball. Perhaps you have a compliance officer in-house that tracks changes, including PBN. The fact of the matter is, is that ADS-B out and PBN will be constantly changing for many years, so this will continue to be a challenge for international flight departments. Someone must do the research before the trip to ensure there are no surprises. I'll leave a link in the show notes to the Indian document. Okay, back to the podcast. Operational control, the Transport Canada term, and dispatchers, the FAA term, should ensure the flight planning codes are correct if that is their job. Flight planning codes entered on the ICAO flight plan form are becoming more and more critical. In the North Atlantic, aircraft have been given clearance to exit the PBN airspace due to incorrect codes or denied entry altogether. The only way that ATC determines your approval to fly in PBCS airspace in the North Atlantic is by your flight planning codes. I did a podcast on PBCS, which is performance-based communication and surveillance, and it's podcast number one if you want to search for it on our website. PBCS is a complement to PBN as it brings communication and surveillance in line with the more developed navigation system. Eventually, we will communicate by text message using CPDLC, and ATC will manage us, not control, they say, but manage the aircraft using ADSB and ADSC. ADSB out will be mandatory in most U.S. controlled airspace starting January 1, 2020. I think that as performance-based communication and surveillance expands, that flight planning codes will become even more important. We have already seen CPDLC expanding from the oceanic environment to the continental enroute structure. I was flying last week in the eastern US and ATC made a general transmission asking anyone who wanted to participate in a CPDLC test to log on. So why is this training important? There are a few takeaways here. PBN is constantly changing worldwide. As I said, your flight planning codes must be 100% correct or you will be pushed out of the North Atlantic PBCS tracks. This is already happening. Air routes are being changed to PBN routes at different rates in different countries as we see in India. I read this past week that new Yankee routes offshore from the coast of Florida are now RNAV2 required. I recently flew into Puerto Vallarta, Mexico, and was cleared for the RMP approach that only published LNAV minima, making it an RNAV approach elsewhere in the world. Many changes indeed. So this brings up a question. Does your aircraft know what the required navigation value is wherever you are flying at all times? My experience is yes and no. If you fly from major city to major city across land, then probably yes, the RMP values are pretty standard for now. RMP1 within 30 nautical miles of the airports, or RNAV1, and usually RMP2 en route, or RNAV2. But if you're flying oceanic routes, or close to oceanic routes, the PBN in these areas are changing, and also difficult to find. It's always important to know your aircraft systems, of course. If your aircraft automatically sets a higher containment value than the airspace allows, then that could be an issue. Here's an example. I fly through the Gulf of Mexico a lot, and this is referred to as Gomex Airspace. Gomex Airspace is RMP-10, but this is very difficult to find on any chart or navigation manual. The requirement can be found in the FAA's AIP enroute section. At the edges of the Gomex airspace, the aircraft iFly sometimes sets RMP12 automatically if the crew has not set RMP10 on purpose. So what we have is a possible scenario where the aircraft drifts more than 10 miles in an airspace that has a 10 mile containment rule, but the crew is not alerted. In this case, the crew would not be alerted until the actual navigation value exceeds 12, not 10. Also, these areas have spotty radar coverage, or none at all. Unlike en route charts for Gomex airspace, RNAV, SIDs and STARS publish the required value in the notes section of the chart. RMP approaches publish RMP minima in the minima box of the chart. The takeaway here is that you should know the RMP value where you fly and verify that the aircraft is maintaining that value. That value may not be available to you in the cockpit, as in it's not in a chart or in a manual on your EFB. You may have to know this information prior to departure. As always, refer to your company and aircraft manuals for your specific approvals and aircraft requirements. At TrainingPort, we are hoping that one day soon, podcasts like this will count towards your training requirement. Thanks very much for listening. That's our podcast for today. Podcast notes will be posted on our blog at trainingport.net slash podcast. We aim to discuss topics that are relevant to business aviation professionals, and we would love to hear your suggestions for future podcasts you can email us at podcast at trainingport.net. That's podcast at trainingport.net. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast so you'll never miss an episode. This podcast is brought to you by trainingport.net, leader in online business aviation training. I'm your host, Brent Fishlock. Have a great day and thank you for listening to Business Aviation Training Report. For more information on each episode, visit us at www.trainingport.net slash podcast. Trainingport.net, helping business aviation professionals excel.